Turn to somebody and say, I'm ready to learn something. But not just information. Somebody say transformation. Hey, there's a little card on you on your uh, uh, chair there. If you want to have that as a takeaway, it will give you the scriptures we're using today. If you're here for the first time uh, and you are just checking our church out, I'm going to be speaking uh, on uh, something that's important for everybody, for our whole culture, that um, we are all have a relationship with our resources, finances, money. We all have a relationship. And it's really important in our culture today that we get this right. How many of you think that the, it's changed these days when you used to say, oh, you could take that to the bank? Well, I'm not sure you can now. You know, things have changed. And the relationship with finances and money in our culture has completely changed. So I'm preaching, in a way, in the next few weeks in order to help us culturally. So I'm going to hit the nail on the head today and talk about this concept of tithing and speaking about the blessed life. I want to be upfront about this idea of taking 10%, the first 10% of our income, and bringing it to the church for the use of the ministry and for the upkeep of the ministry. And what, whether that's culturally relevant today or whether we should even be doing that. I went to Bible school in the European Bible Seminary in Germany. It was a bilingual school. And when I went to Bible college, Ash, I thought it was like going to church every day. I thought, man, I'm just going to go to church every day. I'm going to learn about Jesus and pray all the time. I was like six or seven weeks in to my Bible college, and the rest of the students were like all stressed out. And I walked into class, and they said, have you studied for the test? And I went, what test? <laughs> Did that happen to you when you were growing up in, in school? Sometimes you say, is there a test today? I've not studied it. Man, I went there, and everybody was like studying. There was all these Greek words to know, Bible references to know. I scraped through by the skin of my teeth on that first test. I made a C, which is not the, the kind of standard, you know, that I, that I had for myself. But I scraped through because I didn't even know there was a test going on. And um, I, I just want you, I just think that many of us don't realize that every time we get paid, there's a test. I don't know about you. Do you get paid weekly? Anybody weekly payers? Somebody, if you get paid weekly, raise your hand. Okay, if you get paid weekly. Does everybody get paid every two weeks? Anybody get paid every two weeks? Are most people here monthly payers? You get paid monthly? Yeah, some of you are not putting your hand up at all because you must not get paid. <laughs> or you're just embarrassed that you do get paid. You know, if you do some work, it's okay if you get paid. Is that all right? Oh, you know, and some of you are retired. You've been paying him for that long. You should get a bit of pay now. You know, but every time you get paid, there's a test. And the test is this. Who are you going to be thankful for, for that income? 
Who will you give your first thanks to? Some people thank Visa and MasterCard first, don't they? Or they thank the groceries first. But you know, they don't have the power to bless you. They don't have the power to give you what a tithe can give you. I'm going to talk to you just briefly about three important truths about tithing today. And the first one is tithing is definitely a test. If you've got your Bible or your iPad or your phone with me, turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to read the famous verses, but try and put them in context. Malachi chapter 3. We're going to do three important truths today. Tithing is a test. Tithing is biblical. And tithing is a blessing. And let's see if you can uh, get into this and agree with me and hear some teaching. Malachi 3 verse 6, let's start from there. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. (laughs) Isn't the Lord really blunt sometimes? Like the Lord's saying here, you know, if I was as fickle and moody as you, I would have rubbed you out by now. But because I love you all the time, and because even though you've been so unfaithful, and you haven't followed the law, and you have let me down, but even though you're like that, I don't change. I love you. And therefore, you're not consumed. You know, and actually, the very first thing I need to say to you is, the whole talk and this famous scripture on tithing, and some people only quote verse 10, verse 6 tells us, I'm a loving God, I don't change. And I want to speak to you. For ever since the time of your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and you've not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. You do something for me, I will come to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Shall we preach, sing, pray, lift our hands, clap, dance? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? You are robbing me in tithes and offering. And therefore you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. Don't you split it up and say, I'll give it to that person, that person, that person. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now this is the only place where God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And if I will not, see, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not room enough to store it, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields, will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. Things will happen at the right time for you. Before, uh, says the Lord Almighty, then the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Let me observe one or two things about this passage. The Lord does not change. I, the Lord, do not change, it says. There are some consistent things between the Old Testament and the New Testament that we need to uh, observe. Some people will say, oh, well, that's just the Old Testament. But can I point out to you that in the Old Testament it says you shall not commit adultery. Has that changed? Has in the Old Testament it says you shall not commit murder. Now that we're under grace, if I come down here and, and rob Ellie's purse from her, can I say, well, I'm under grace, so it doesn't matter anymore? 
Can we say that some things uh, just stay the same? It's nonsense to say, oh, that was in the Old Testament, so it doesn't apply. God carries forward his ethical demands. In fact, the only things that change, because Jesus, remember, said, I haven't come to do away with the law. Not one jot or tittle will change. The only things that's changed about the law is some of the ceremonial law, some of the health regulations, and the fact that Jesus now is the way to the Father. But actually, even that was a sacrifice, that we don't have continual sacrifice. The rest of the law still stands and applies to us. Some people, and I'll come back to the Old Testament, New Testament thing in a moment, But some people also argue, well, this passage says, oh, that we're under uh, some sort of curse. But now I'm in Jesus, and because they read Galatians chapter 3, I'm not under a curse because Jesus has redeemed me from the curse of the law. You know, a curse simply means a consequence. It simply means a consequence of what we might do. Yes, Jesus has redeemed us from the consequences of sin, hasn't he? That if there are consequences to the things. But let me ask you a question today. If you sinned, are there any consequences? Has Jesus redeemed you from the consequences of the things that you do wrong? It's foolish to say that just because Galatians says we're redeemed from any curse, therefore tithing doesn't apply, or some of the things that are said about it. If we sin, there are consequences. The same is true here. If we don't tithe, there are consequences in our hearts and our direction of travel of not putting God first in our lives. God doesn't curse you, but you place yourself, if you step out of this plan, under the curse of consequences for not doing what God says is the best thing you can do. You see, Jesus bore the curse of the law And we say, oh, therefore I can't be cursed as a Christian. But let me ask you, did Jesus bear sin on the cross? Yes or no? He did. Since you've become a Christian, have you ever sinned? I have. He also bore our sicknesses on the cross. Since you've become a Christian, have you ever had any sickness? You see... Jesus bore our sickness and he bore the curses, but he actually made healing available. He didn't make us immune from every sickness. He said, I can bring healing within it. I just want to say this to you. If something was wrong under the law, coveting your neighbor's wife, it's still wrong now. If something's wrong under the law, it's still wrong now. If something's right under the law, it's still right now. Because what Jesus does is bring life and ability to receive the new strength to serve God. Have you ever noticed that you're just getting on and then something happens and it just devours up all what you thought you were getting on? You see, you're a steward of what you have. And God says 10% 
is his, and you get to return it back to him. You notice the book of Malachi is a book of returning. In chapter 1, he says, I want you to return to your faith. Chapter 2, he says, I want you to return your family back to you. Chapter 3, he says, I want to return your finances back to me and me back to you. And chapter 4 of Malachi, God returns to us. Tithing is one of those things we call an ordinance, and an ordinance is a principle of ordinary behavior, giving God his first portion for his redeemed people. Now, the issue about tithing is not whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. It's a long-standing principle throughout the whole structure. Now, how many of you know our logo as BCC? It's a ribbon. And I want you to think about a stream and a ribbon going through the whole of Scripture. I'm going to point out some uh, teaching today about some things that go through the whole ribbon. If you've got your Bible and you want to go there quickly, in Exodus chapter 13, verse 2, God says, Return to me and give me the first of your animals, the first of your children. Dedicate that first thing to me. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, God says, Bring all the first fruits of all your labor to me. Bring the things that you, uh, the first things of what you have earned. Now, listen, here's the thing about it. Let's speak heart, not just principle. The reason he says, Bring the first of your income to me, or the first of your family to me, is, is so that he can say, Have I got the first part of your heart? If we can show practically that he has us in a place of cooperation where he can lead us and bless us beyond what we can do on our own, it's this giving of the first that God asks because then he knows that you are saying he is first more than just good attentions. I want you to intentions. A good ribbon, a stream through the whole scripture. Think about Genesis, Cain and Abel. Abel gives the first of his crops to God. It says of Cain, he in the course of time takes something to God. What Abel is saying is, God, you're first. And and then, have you heard a ribbon goes through that God, through the whole Scripture, says, who's first? Who, who, Who is number one in your life? Give me your first uh, animals. You you don't know whether that that sheep is going to produce any more, but just give it to me, and I'll see if any others come after that. Abraham, Abraham, I don't know whether you're going to have ten sons. I've I've told you you're going to be a whole nation. Can I have your first son? You see, it's a test for you. It's a test that all of us have. Can you give God the first, not knowing what's coming next? And then, have you heard this phrase from the mouth of Jesus? And, And maybe you could finish it off for me. But seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. You see, the principle isn't about amounts and things. It's about who's first. You know, if I said to Kathy, well, Kathy, you're my third favorite woman in the world, she'd be going, hello? I thought I was first. You see, the principle is about firsts and first love. 
In fact, doesn't it say in Revelation to the book of the church of Ephesians, return to your first love. You see, the principle is about firsts, not about amounts. You see, people who argue that it's an old, only an Old Testament thing, I wonder what the spirit is behind this argument, really. That the New Testament shows us lavish giving and lavish grace and, and overwhelming grace. And would, would God expect us to give any less today, having given everything in His Son? You see, as we shall see, tithing was way before the law and as a principle way after it. The word tithe means a tenth part. It comes from a Hebrew word called mashra, meaning the tenth part. It's really a fair thing to do because it's a percentage and it's fair for everyone. Whatever you earn, we're all asked to do the same. So if you earn £100 a week and you give your mashra, your tithe, or you earn £1,000 a week and you give your mashra, your tithe, you're both giving proportionately, differently, but you're both giving the same. It's just fair for everyone. And the sacrifice is the same for everyone. Yeah, there's a bit of a pattern in the Scriptures, actually. When you actually analyze the number 10, it's always associated with testing of things. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. Okay, I'll help you with this quiz, okay? Shout it back to me. How many commandments are there? Ten. Ten. And that's a bit of a test, isn't it, for, to see if we can be obedient. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Let me help you with this. Ten. Okay, shout it back to me. How many times did Jacob's wages change? Ten. Okay, if you don't know that. How many times was Daniel tested in chapter one? Ten, actually. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten, actually. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? Ten, actually. How many disciples were there? Ah, you're very clever. You see, I was just testing you. What a wise congregation you are. I've done that before and everybody shouted out ten. Oh, you can't pull the wool over your eyes. Great to be with such a biblical church today. I just want to say God's testing our hearts, He's, but in the sense of refining them. And this is in this area, and it's the only area where God says, I'll test you, but you can test me back. It's a two-way test. In fact, the word test there is for the testing and proving of a metal to see how pure it is. And what God is saying to you is, you will see how faithful and how pure I am if you'll enter into this relationship with me, of giving 10% of your income into God's work. See, this passage is very simple to me. If I tithe, I'll be blessed. If I don't, I'm under a curse. Now, I'm not Forrest Gump or anything, but it's kind of really clear. Tithing is a test. And some of you are kind of quiet right now because the test will be for your heart. Number two, tithing is scriptural. Now, you're not a bad person if you don't tithe. You're not a, a, a waste of space or anything like that. You might be ahead in other areas. You might be fantastic at praying. You might be brilliant at other things. It's just something that you might not have been shown or something that you might not have learnt yet. It's it's something that you're not convinced yet is really scriptural because you've had lots of teaching, and that's fine. 
So can we just run through some passages? And on your handout here, there are some uh, scriptures to help you and to take home. For, because I want you to read it when you're at home and, and check it out. But have a look. And remember my illustration about our logo, the ribbon, the stream that goes through all of scripture. Have a look at an interesting passage with me. Go to Genesis chapter 14, and we'll look at verses 18 through 21. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Oh, hello. Right in the Old Testament, we have a ribbon coming through about communion, about meeting the Lord in his body and blood, right in Genesis. You see, what you've got to look at is some themes going through. And we're all very happy to go, ooh, king of Melchizedek, he's got no ancestry, it's like Christ. And look at that, it's just like communion. Oh, and what does Abraham do? Pays tithes to him, directly to him. Some people think this is a foreshadowing of Christ. Some people think that this is Christ appearing in the Old Testament. It says... It says this, blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God the most high, who delivered you from your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. This is a really foreshadowing figures. And here's the interesting part. This is 500 years before the law was even given. Maybe the law was just a rubber stamping of something that was going on anyway. In fact, when when God said, uh, you shall not murder in the law, he'd already said to Cain, you have murdered. And the law was just a rubber stamping of something that God disapproved of anyway. So 500 years before the law, God uh, allows Abraham to tithe to him. And then in Genesis 28, verse 22, got your Bible there. He is Jacob, the father and the actual, the tribe leader of Israel. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be in God's house. That's interesting, isn't it? That it's a place where, where we're talking about. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Who told Jacob that? If it hadn't become something that God had already began to institute. This is 400 years before the law. Then let's talk about the law, and let's go into that book called Leviticus. But I want you to see that this isn't a law, rule, hard, cold principle. Actually, the way that tithing is described in the law, go to Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, is described as a heart thing in the law. In Leviticus 27, 30, it says this, All the tithe of the land, whether of seed or of, or of the land or of the fruit tree, it's the Lord's. It's holy unto the Lord. We're not asking you to just have a principle here. We are saying, hey, here's a heart thing that you have to make separate to the law. It's His. So if you keep it, you're stealing it, by the way, because it's His. It's not yours, actually. It's a heart thing between you and him and the Lord. Go over one book to Deuteronomy chapter 26, and we'll look at the first two verses there. When you've entered the land that the Lord God has given you as an inheritance, you have taken possession of it and settled it and, some of the fir- and settled in it. Take some of the first fruits and all that is produced from the soil of the land, everything that's produced, 
that the Lord has given you and put them in a basket and then go to the place that the Lord God will choose as a dwelling place. There becomes another principle that comes in that tithes are actually taken to a location and a place where service goes on. The Lord established that you begin to take tithes to a place of service. It's not just your charity giving out there. It becomes a place you bring tithes to. In Deuteronomy 26, it tells us what you use and some principles of how the tithe is used. It says this, Then say to the Lord your God, I've removed from the house the sacred portion and I've given it to the Levite, to the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow. According to all that you've commanded, I've not turned aside from your commands, nor forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord God. I have done everything you commanded me. Now look down from heaven, from your holy dwelling place, and bless your people and the land you have given us, and you have promised as an oath uh, to our ancestors a land flowing with milk and honey. Look what it says. Here are some principles. I have removed the holy tithe from my house and taken it to that chosen place where your name abides. Tithing was always a place that you say, I'm taking it and giving it so that ministry can happen. Secondly, it was used for the Levites and the teachers of the law. It was used so that teaching and ministry could happen. It was also used for social justice, for the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow. And then the the writer there says, I haven't used it in a time of mourning. When I was in my need, I didn't say, oh, I'll just use my tithe to get me through this. I haven't used it for weird religious practices like the, the causes I'm into. There was a cause in the Old Testament where you could pay money and pay money for dead people to have a better place in paradise or other good charitable things. And he says, I don't use it for that. I don't use my tithe for sponsoring a child or, or this, that, and the other. I don't use it for that. I use it to take it to the house of the Lord. Let me ask you something. If Jesus asked you to tithe, would you do it? If Jesus himself said, will you tithe, would you do it? Turn with me to Matthew 23, verse 23. Because as well as some of these Old Testament scriptures, maybe we need to look into the New Testament. Matthew 23, verse 23 says this. Woe to you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You not only pay your money, but you've got so much into tithing that you've now started to pay your tithes on mint, your anise, your cumin, but you've neglected the more weightier matters of the law, like justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus says this, these you ought to have done without leaving the other undone. Jesus himself says, you ought to tithe. Look, you're doing a good thing, but you're leaving, you can read it both ways, you're leaving the weightier matters undone, you're not uh, uh, into faith, justice, and mercy, That you should be really focusing on. But however, don't leave this undone. 
Or you can read it the other way, whereby Jesus is saying, you know, you haven't been into those things, and you've been doing the tithing, but don't leave that undone if you get into the other things. In the Greek, you can read it both ways. Either way, Jesus is saying, you ought to do this. You know, for me, if this was the only scripture in the, in the whole Bible on tithing, I would do it. If this was the only obscure reference, this is what I would do. Because Jesus is saying you should do it. And I've watched many of you, and I, myself, we all say we love Jesus. If he told you to do something, would you do it? Hebrews 7 verse 8 is an unusual verse. And in Hebrews 7 it says that in one case our tithes are collected by people who die. And in another case by him who was declared to be living. And what the interpretation of that is, is that as you pay your tithes physically, that's administered by people who are in the church, that actually Jesus receives them and says, man, by you giving that, you're declaring that you're living for me and that I'm living with you. Can you imagine that? That when you put your tithe in the offering basket or you do it electronically, that actually a, a physical organization, Birmingham City Church, gets it, but Jesus receives it. Isn't that wonderful? Tithing is not only a test, it's scriptural. And it's before the law, during the law, and after the law. Let me close today by saying tithing's a blessing. I want to point out to you one incident in the Old Testament. If you've got a Bible with you, in 2 Chronicles 31, verses 4 through 10, and it's there on your paper, and you'll be able to read the whole story later, but let me kind of summarize it for you, that, that Hezekiah the king uh, discovered and said in the fourth month, he said, you know, we need to start the people back tithing, because actually that what was happening in the land, there was a recession, and people began to tithe over three months from the fourth, fourth month to the seventh month. They began to tithe. And then it says this. And Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites about the heaps that had come in. And, and he was worried for the people. He said, well, we've got all these heaps in our temple. He said, what, what's going on with the people? And the priests answer him and say, don't worry about them. You want to see the 90% that they've got. Now you've given this in. They are so blessed. It's overflowing in their homes. You see, tithing is a blessing. One of the things that Hezekiah said was, is bring the tithes in so there could be food in this house. Can I ask you something? And, I, you know, I don't want you to hold up cards about my preaching and so on, because I know you'll be holding up 10 out of 10 and all the rest of it. But do you enjoy the spiritual food that you receive here? You know, do you enjoy the fact that we don't just coast as a church, that we put on Bible studies and prayer meetings? Can I just let you know that the spiritual food costs money? That everything that happens needs to be paid for? The king, in this incident, he, he commanded them to contribute to the support of the priests so that they may devote themselves to the word of God. And it's not just so I can study or the ministers can study, but people need classes and small groups and counseling and build X and Wednesday fellowship and food bank and children and youth and equipping. 
and outreach and all of our outreach equipment broke yesterday and all of everything that we do costs money. I know some of you have considered this, but now you're a Christian, I know you won't. Would you ever consider going to a restaurant and doing the dine and dash? You know, go in there and then run out without paying. Have you ever been to the loo, opened the loo window, left it ajar and think, later on I'll slip out of there without paying? Don't raise your hand at this point. I think some Christians do that every week. They come and eat and get blessed and leave. But it's actually you that you're being hurt. It's actually not the church. It's you and your heart. It's you and your life. I've noticed two perspectives about tithing. The ones that report that they do tithe, especially when that's mixed with good stewardship. You see, I don't think tithing is a magic formula. You just do it and you live recklessly with the other 90%. It won't work for you. But people who have good stewardship over the 90% and pay their tithes report progression, blessing, a sense of going on in their lives, a healthy relationship to money. Uh, they don't have to do retail therapy when they're feeling down. Their emotions come into line. There's so many blessings about that. Ever since I've had a paper round, I've always tithed. And I've had miracle provision when I was in Bible college. I opened the door one time. We had no money left. There's all the groceries in my garage miraculously given to me. I've got those stories about how God has tested me and, and I've worked through all of those things about tithing and giving. And then there's another group of people who say that they don't tithe. And this is what they say. Without exception, I've always heard this. I can't afford to tithe. I want to say to you that you're never going to be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. You will never be able to afford to do it until you do it. Because it's tithing that breaks a curse over your life. It always happens that people say to me, I don't know how this is working. If I was going away and I wanted somebody to look after Kathy, for instance, I got Pete here and and Ian and George. In fact, guys, just stand up here with me just for a moment. We, it's half past ten. Will you give me five more minutes? Is that all right? Come on, everybody. Will you give me five more minutes? So, so I'm going away, and, and I want these three guys to look after this beautiful little woman of mine here. Isn't she lovely, guys? When you look after for me, you know, I'm going away for a long time. I've given you 10,000 pounds, and you can keep 9,000. I only want you to give... Kathy, a thousand a month. Ten thousand pounds, George. I want you to go. I'm going away. I want you to give Kathy a thousand. You can keep the nine thousand for you. Pete, I'm going to even give you ten thousand pounds. I'm going away, and you can give Kathy a thousand a month. So Kathy's got three thousand a month to live on. But you guys have got nine, nine, and nine, and you can live on that. Now, Ian, he, he, he faithfully gives a thousand to Kathy every month. And, uh, you know, and keeps the 9,000 from my bank account. I'm supplying that to him. George, he's really spiritual, and he gives Kathy, he says, well, I'm going to give Kathy 12. You know, I don't, you know, I'm going to, I've, you know, God's blessed me, I'm giving her 1,200 a month. You feel blessed, babe. She's good. 
Now, Pete, and Pete would never do this, so this is not the real Pete, but Pete, he, you know, first month, he gives Kathy 900 pounds. Second month, he gives her 400. They keep giving her 1,000 each month. Third month, he don't give her anything. How do you think I feel about Pete? This is my wife. And I've asked him to look after my wife. This is my wife. Do you think I'm going to keep giving Pete that 10,000 pounds? I'm going to give it to George. I'm going to give it to Ian. And Pete would never do this because he's just a great guy. I could trust him with my wife, my life, my house and everything. But just for illustration purposes, in Matthew 25 it says, I will take from the one who is not trustworthy and give it to the ones who is. Tithing is more personal to Jesus. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Tithing is much more personal to Jesus than you think it is. Because we get to be his bride, but you get to look after his bride. So I want to say to you, why don't we look after Jesus' bride? Why don't we tithe and look after his wife? You see, Jesus, he's learning about your character. He's learning about how much you think about him, about his wife, how much you respect him. Come on, worship team, let's stand together. Let's just say for a moment that God does not change. In fact, will you stand with me and turn to your neighbor and say, God does not change. He loves you. And what he's saying is, I'm testing you. But I want to challenge you today to test him. God's testing our hearts. Tithing is a test. God wants to change our hearts. He's blessing you so that he can do a work in your heart. Now look, before we leave this place, please do not be condemned if you don't tithe. There may be other areas that you are really good in. I don't want you to be condemned. That's the last thing I want you to be. I want you to feel convicted, sure. I want you to be thoughtful. Of course I do. But not condemned at all. I think there are some married couples in this place that need to turn to each other and say, shall we do things God's way? And God's going to start ministering in your family. Perhaps you need to take this card home and read through all the scriptures and look at your budget and think about it. But you know what? I know that there are some people here that all the thinking and praying and planning is not going to change anything now. You need to go to the info point and pay your tithes and that will break something over your life so let's just join hands together shall we as one congregation and let's just say to the Lord Lord we place you first in every area we place you first. Because the principle really is first. Natalie's going to lead us in a song. 
And actually, we believe in praying for people. And if you've got any area of your life, actually, where you would say, I would love prayer on this. I, I noticed earlier when many of you raised your hand and you were going into new jobs and things. I wonder if you would like to come and let's just pray for you about that. You know what? I just know all all week that some people are battling with some sicknesses and I wonder if you would come forward and it's just as soon as, don't wait, just as soon as Natalie begins to sing whether we could pray for your sicknesses. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. In fact, prayer team, would you just come now? In fact, if you're ready and you've got some things that you need prayer for, why don't you just come as well and just come. If there's somebody in your family or we we care about you and we care about your family, we care about your situation. If there's anything that you're going through that you would like to dedicate to the Lord, why don't you come? Just begin to come now. If you'd like to dedicate your finances to God, just come. Let's sing together, shall we?